0: You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Oh God, you are mighty to save. And so we pray that you would speak to us today through your word, that we would be reminded that you indeed are a great warrior who gives the victory. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, The prophet Zephaniah preaches at a time of great transition in the life of the kingdom of Judah. Josiah is the king, and like his great-grandfather, he has instituted religious reforms because the religion of Josiah's day had become a mix. It had become a mix of Canaanite practices as well as the faith of Israel. And so even though this happened long, long ago, even leading up to the Babylonian captivity, It's still a word for us today. It speaks to us today of our present situation and even in our own lives. And so this morning, I'd like for us to look at Zephaniah chapter 3, verses 16 through 18. I'll throw 14 in there as well for good measure. And we're going to work backwards. I'll start with 18, then move to 17, and then move to 16. Zephaniah laments that on the day of the festival that there is disaster and that it is a, has become a reproach for the people. That is these festivals, these solemn assemblies of Israel gathering, these huge religious services, whether it would be the Feast of Tabernacles or the Passover or Yom Kippur or whatever it might be, uh, were big days in the national life of God's people. And they would come together and they would either atone for their sins through sacrifices or they would give thanks to God for their deliverance uh, over Egypt or whatever it might be. Uh, But these were times of great celebration to remember who God is and to remember that they were his people. But these festivals, these solemn assemblies of God's people had fallen under reproach. The religion of Josiah's day and the religion that Zephaniah preached about was marked by lifelessness, a spirit of indifference, as Paul says, a form of religion with no power. In a word, it was lukewarm. And it was this way, according to Zephaniah, because of the priests and the preachers there are good preachers out there. Uh, Zephaniah is contemporary with Jeremiah. He's contemporary with Habakkuk. He's contemporary with Nahum. And so there are out there there preachers who are being faithful to God's word. And yet overall, the people who are longing to hear a word from God have been given over to preachers who are unfaithful, who would take the religion of Baal, a Canaanite god, and combine it with the religion of Israel so that God was completely lost. For to add to the gospel is to subtract. Anytime you try to add anything to the message of the Bible that isn't there, the message is lost. And so, people began to care more about their finances and respectability than for truth or grace. This has been a problem for a long time in the life of God's people. If you remember, when Gideon was called to be a god, when when Gideon was called to be a judge by God, uh, he was one of the first things he did was he tore down a pagan idol. And who was it that was upset with him? Was it the Midianites? Was it the Amalekites? No. It was his own family, Hebrews, who were upset with him for tearing down a pagan idol. And we all know that the doctrinal eventually will affect the practical. If you do not know of God's saving love and the Lord Jesus Christ, it is going to affect your life on a very practical level how you live your life, how you relate to other people, how you do your work, how you parent your children, and so on and so forth. And when you have preachers who fail to commend to you the crucified and resurrected Lord Jesus, what does that create? Zephaniah tells us in verse 19, lameness. It causes God's people to limp for they have no refuge." So it wasn't just the preachers, but it worked its way down into the people, where they were more worried about being respectable than faithful. They were indifferent to religion. They showed up for the solemn assemblies, but they really could care less about what they meant. They had a form of religion, but they denied its very power. They were lukewarm. And it moved from bad to worse, because they began to resent God. When we see this in the life of a Christian congregation, it manifests itself. When you have a preacher who does not commend to you the Lord Jesus Christ, it begins to have an effect on the congregation. I don't say this in a spirit of mockery, but one of concern. A friend of mine who's a preacher said that you can almost always tell what the temperature of a congregation is and where they stand in relation to the gospel based on their coffee hour. Now, we don't have a coffee hour per se here, but listen when you get out into Klingman Commons after this service for your cup of coffee. A good, faithful, gospel-believing church sounds like this. Mm, you can hear the buzz mm, in coffee hour. When the gospel is not preached, when the love of God is not known in the midst of a congregation, it sounds like this. Mm, you really can't hear this. And so if you're ever visiting a church and you hear, mm, leave. And if you're a part of a church that sounds like, mm, and you want it to go, you mm, You leave. It's something that weighs heavy on the hearts of God's people when they hear that people aren't sharing in the gospel, when the preacher isn't commending to them God's mercy in the Lord Jesus Christ. It breaks their hearts. It becomes a burden. C.H. Spurgeon said this about it. God's people cannot bear that Christ's atoning sacrifice should be dishonored. They cannot endure that his truth should be trodden as mire in the streets. To true believers, prosperity means the Holy Ghost blessing the word to the conversion of sinners and the building up of the saints. And if they do not see this, they hang their harps upon the willows. And so it was in Zephaniah's day that many people were hanging their hearts, harps upon the willows. And even in our day we see the same. But we're not a people without hope. Zephaniah promises us here in God's word that God always keeps a faithful remnant and that the gospel can never be put out. He promises in verse 17 that the Lord your God is in your midst. Where two or three are gathered together in his name, he's in the midst of them. As we are in Advent season and we head toward the incarnation, unto us a child will be born and his name shall be called Emmanuel. God is with us. That's God's promise. He doesn't say, I'm going to be far away. I'm going to be over an ocean. There's something that you have to do in order to get to me, but no, I come to you. I am in your midst. Uh, The story of God's people is a continual attempt to suppress the gospel. Whether that be in Zephaniah's day or whether that be in the New Testament period when Paul and Barnabas and others were trying to preach the gospel and the Roman authorities and others were doing everything in their power to stamp it out. And yet they preached a message that one said has turned the world upside down. And even in our day as we read the stories about the great persecution that has broken out in China just over the past month, Christians being rounded up and detained for no other reason other than being believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. The world has tried to do this from the very beginning. They even tried to bury Jesus once. They sealed the tomb, they put a guard on it. But on the third day he got up out of the grave. The seal was broken, the tomb, the stone was rolled away. The guard fled with fright, blinded. By the light of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. You can't suppress it. God is faithful to the end. And what is he doing while he's in our midst? We read that he is a warrior who gives victory. Do you ever think of God as a warrior? It's not an image that often comes to my mind. And yet it's throughout the entire Bible that our God is a warrior. Anytime the Bible uses the phrase, Lord of hosts, that means Lord of the armies. That he's come into this world to do battle. For who? For you and for me. He goes to battle even unto his own death in order that we might live. The call on the Christian life is to not go into battle. Even in Ephesians, where we read about putting on the armor of Christ, what it means is to put on the Lord Jesus Christ, or better yet, get behind him. He goes forth in battle. We are behind him. He makes the way. We simply rest in him. This is what he means when he says in verse 17 that he will renew you in his love. What does it mean to be renewed in God's love? What well, means to rest in God's love? Are you placing yourself behind Him, the great warrior, or are you trying to play a children's game by putting on His armor and going into battle yourself? The pain of life and the battle of life is is enough. Much less the spiritual battle that wages in our own lives. But we're told to rest in Him. And when we rest in Him, trusting in Him, we see certain things happen in our life. In verse 14, Zephaniah says, Sing aloud, O daughter of Zion, shout, O Israel. One of the things that we see in our lives when we rest in the Lord Jesus, when we're renewed in His love, is that we find happiness. And the way that that happiness is manifested is through singing. I, I don't know if you've ever seen anybody whistling, walking down the street. I mean, when you see somebody whistle or you hear someone whistle, you, what do you think? Things are going pretty well for them. They're in a good mood. And if you've ever had the occasion, at first you think they're a total nut, but somebody singing on the street? I, I've, I've heard that too. And you think, Golly. Something really great must have happened in their life. They're on cloud nine. Well, Zephaniah reminds us that anyone can sing when life is going well. But only the believer in the Lord Jesus Christ can sing when things seem their darkest. Because our God is a warrior. And so children of God, whenever the enemy seemed to prevail over you, Whenever you feel defeated, whenever you feel that life couldn't get any darker, then begin to sing, for he has placed a song in our hearts, a song of praise to our great God. When the great early church father Athanasius was told that everyone was denying the deity of Christ, and that really almost wasn't an exaggeration. Everyone who said that they were a Christian began to deny the deity, the godness of Jesus Christ. Do you know what Athanasius' response was? Athanasius contra mundum, he said. Athanasius against the world. You see, when you're a believer and the Lord God is a warrior, the entire world can be against you. And it doesn't matter, because in the democracy of God, the entire world can vote against him, but there's only one vote that counts, and that's God himself, and he wins. And so we sing, for the great one in the midst of you is the Holy One of Israel. The other thing that it gives us when we find our rest in the Lord Is fear is removed from our hearts. We're fearless. Because again, He goes to battle for you. The battle belongs to Him. All those things that consume our hearts and minds, and all the worries in this world. We're oftentimes worrying about things that are God's business. And that our job is to keep our eyes focused on Him. And to look to Him for our deliverance and our salvation. Uh, There's an amazing verse here in 17, a little passage, where it says, He will exalt over you with loud singing. Because not only are we singing, but who's singing over us? God. Do you know that God sings over you? All the time He sings to you. There's probably not a more touching image of a parent singing over their baby child. And yet, no matter how old you and I get, God sings over you. I'm always amazed by the ability of children to fall asleep in the arms of their parents. One, it looks terribly uncomfortable. But two, it's often in the midst of a transition or a great... uh, center of chaos where the child has nowhere else to go to sleep except in the arms of the parent. And how is a child able to sleep in the arms of a parent? Because they feel safe. They feel secure. They have no fear. And in the same way, you and I are safe in the arms of Jesus who sings over us. And finally, Zephaniah tells us, let not your hands grow weak. That is one of the fruits of resting in God is zeal. And so friends, let us be about the work of the gospel to see that the banner is not dropped even when preachers drop it that we would love one another in this solemn assembly, the Advent, that we would lift up the cross of Christ and His resurrection and in our own lives rest in His grace and mercy. For the Lord is a warrior who gives victory. Let us pray. Lord, we forget that we're yours. We forget that you hold us in your arms. That you sing over us, that you cast out fear and you instill joy, you put a song in our heart, you give us a zeal for your gospel, for it is the only message that brings salvation. And so, Lord, this Advent season, that we would rest in you, in you alone, for you are our great warrior, and only in you is the victory. Amen.